This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. McDowell Specialty Repair, Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle & Cook Mortgage, LLC. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. This is Skip Hall welcoming you to Game Plan for Life. Uh, our guest today, once again, is John Strain. John was with us last week, and we covered some ground. So, John, in our last Game Plan for Life uh, interview on overcoming barriers in our witness for Christ, you gave us the Goldilocks lesson. We need to replace being too hot or too cold or too hard or too soft with just right. You said just right in our witness for Christ is using compelling questions such as your favorite, the platinum question, featured in your book, You Gotta Ask. Then you listen to answers. So, John, again, welcome. Hey, and thank take you. Take it from there. Yeah, boy, do we need to do a lot of listening in our culture. It's, uh, it, is, it is how you love people in our present day. And people need to be heard. I, You know, this, Skip, I've been watching... Uh, a lot of studies and books being written in the business genre right now. One of them is entitled Stop Talking, Start Asking. <laughs> and then the subtitle, 27 Questions to Shift the Culture of Your Organization. And and the lady, uh, Jean Marie DeGiovanna, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, she says, you know, culture's not about what you do it's about who you are how you behave how you interact with everything and everyone around you and how you relate to people and everything at work and how you serve so forth i have this uh, harvard business review article here it's kind of interesting a harvard study but again they revealed the role of asking questions and interpersonal relationships and uh, you know and how that needs to be in place to uh, replace the pandemic, you know, of social ills that we're experiencing a loneliness, isolation, division, silence, and so forth. And so um, I just think this is really powerful stuff. It's It's something anybody can do. They can ask questions. And it's the key to, and and then listen, of course, and then, but it's the key to just overcoming our biggest fears and talking about Jesus and the gospel and and our three struggles. And uh, as we talked about last week, that, that first one was, I don't know how to bring the gospel up, and how do I bring spiritual things up? You know, I'm just not even sure how to introduce it. And then... We struggle. The second thing, if I could do that, um, what happens if they ask me a question I can't answer? And that keeps us out of the game. You know, we're afraid of being embarrassed or maybe dis- doing a disservice to the person of Christ because just because we can't answer a, a question. And then, and then the third one that's kind of interesting that I'm hoping we can really dive into today is how do I know if I've even shared the gospel? Now that. That might be a crazy question, yeah. but um, I think we I struggle with that, and I do this all the time. Mm. 
And I'm thinking about that all the time, and I realize there's a lot of ways to go at it. But so what's the essence of it? How, you know, how do we even define it? And then how, what are we obligated to share to say, I've shared the gospel? You know, to know that we've done what Jesus asked us to do and being his witnesses and so forth. So, okay, struggles number one. I don't know how to bring it up. And number two, what if they ask something I cannot answer? We discussed that last week. Some of our listeners need a refresher maybe, and some didn't hear this at all. Give us a quick summary of what you said, and then we'll get into number three. Yeah, all righty. I, uh, I have a, actually a letter from someone named Sam who works for a nonprofit and is in a counseling situation. Um, and I think it gives the answer to those questions, um, and, and it illustrates how it works. And she, she, we met, and she found out about our book, You Gotta Ask, and, um, some, and was kind of struggling with, she's in a situation where they counsel uh, uh, a person's problems and help them deal with things, but then there's opportunity to do a little bit of life coaching. And so she said, I always felt awkward to me. How do I bring this stuff up? So I get this letter um, some months after I met her, and she wrote this to John and Pam, uh, to my wife and I. And uh, she said, I felt very burdened to share the gospel more honestly, uh, but I've been honestly struggling with uh, how to figure out, you know, figuring out how to bring up the topic in conversations. And then she goes, most of the time in my one-to-one advocacy with patients, when I try to turn conversations to spiritual matters, there has been a lot of resistance. And I'm going, boy, I get that. And then she said, well, so I just read the book, your book when I was traveling, and I was extremely encouraged and excited to start using some of the compelling questions. So she did. She raised the platinum question. Uh, which, again, for the listener, uh, assuming there's a God, and you could ask God any question you mm-hmm, want mm-hmm. and get a response or just take God to task on an issue, what would you ask? And, you know, people want to answer that question, and uh, they'll think about that. So she said this uh, one gal that had come in thought about that for a few seconds and then simply replied, and this is such a great question. I, she said, I would ask God how all this got here. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Sam says, I was amazed at where that led the conversation. And I was able to share verses with her over the next hour, moving quickly from creation, and I assume she meant Genesis, uh, to a personal relationship with Christ. And even the question, and she asked, another question she asked, if you were standing before God, he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And anyway, the all led to her being able to introduce this young woman to Christ. and um, But then she says, um, she says, um, the use of some of the compelling questions you provide in the book let, lead to the conversation naturally in a way that helped me understand where this young woman was coming from and enabled me to meet her there and share the truth from the Word. So I was very um, curious about that. So I had a chance to follow up with her, and I might get into that a little bit more here in, in a few minutes. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's so she put this to work on the ground, mm-hmm. was able to move from the questions and listening and finding out this woman's 
felt need question mm. and a real intellectual question too. And then she moved it into the gospel. Mm. And you got to wonder, well, I was curious, what did she consider the gospel? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Which is a great question. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's good stuff. Well, okay, so let's get into struggle number three for the person who isn't an evangelist, but we are witness for Christ. Christ said, you shall be my witnesses. How do we know if we've even shared the gospel? What is it? How can we be prepared to share it? All right. So I've been asking people lately, and I, in fact, I was on the phone with a colleague who, like me, is well-trained in this over a lifetime. He's been to seminary. He does what I do. We, we both are just in a gospel-sharing ministry. And I said, so I asked him this question on the phone. And Skip, even he had to stop, and he's in a very intellectual environment. Yeah, yeah. And he had had to stop, and he said, "You know, I th-, he goes, that is such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on how we define it, right? And uh, somewhat, and you know, what is the essence of it? And then, to, and then we're in this, you know, something that we can't really prepare for. We're with somebody we don't know what their questions are. We don't know where they're at." And then we got to sort of take that essence and and hopefully communicate it in a relevant way. And so um, kind of back to Samantha's letter and my conversation with her, She um, here's what she did. And when I asked her, I said, what did you actually open up? And um, she did share something about God being the creator, but she moved quickly. I think it was in the book of Romans. So she did what we call the Romans Road. Okay. And obviously she had heard this question, if you could stand before God, you know, or if God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? So I that came originally from the Kennedy evangelism explosion training. So she had been exposed to that. She didn't feel that that was pertinent to her situation, but this question and listening mm-hmm. process was. But she had a sense that I can go through the Roman road, and I said, what are the verses? She said, well, Romans 310, 323, 5, 8, 6, 23, 10, 13, uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So she just had the girl read those and say, well, what does that, what do you think that means? Yeah. And and this young woman kind of talked herself into this is great, and then she emphasized that it's a gift, mm. and was able to use that to say, so how do you want to respond to this gift that's offered? You have to make a decision about it, whether to receive it or not. And so that was kind of her presentation of this. Um, and I said, well, what do you think the essence of the gospel is? And she she said, well, I think it's Christ died. And he rose again, and and uh, so she kind of started quoting some things out of First Corinthians fifteen, one through eight, where Paul says, "Hey, you know, I'm what I've given to you, what I received, I've given to you, right. and now I'm, you know, this is a first priority. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, raised from the dead, mm. and appeared to all these people." And um, and and he says, the, but that's the gospel, yeah. you know, in the essence of it. And we kind of go, okay. So I learned on the four spiritual laws. You know, we had yes, God loves you, has a plan for your life. Man is sinful and separated from God. 
Jesus Christ is God's provision for man's sin. We must receive Jesus. Mm. So those are the four points with verses. Yeah. And I've shared that hundreds of times, oh, Skip. Yeah. But, I stop, but I have to stop and go, is that the gospel? Because Paul says, hey, to the Romans, I'm writing the... You know, I'm eager to come and share the gospel with you guys. But then he says, but this is the gospel of God for 16 chapters of Romans. <laughs> so why does he say, I'm eager to come and share the gospel mm. with you? You just did. Yeah, <laughs> In the most yeah. detailed, meaty way that anybody could. Why do you want to continue to go to Rome and share the gospel with them? And then they're already believers at that. So yeah. why are you continuing to press this and possibly there are more people of course who need to know the gospel there but 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 the other thing i think it implies that maybe we all need to go a little deeper on a continuous basis right and to expand right. that so that's one part of this thing mm-hmm. you know and uh but i think the other thing is that um you know part of this is that we're in the you're in the moment with people and I want to liberate our listener here a little bit with okay. this, because right. I, I think that we can have the essence of like First Corinthians fifteen, or even the, you know, or Jesus just said when he sent his guys out the first time, he said, "Here's the message: the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe." Mm. That's it. That's yeah. all. Everybody got that memorized. Pretty, pretty <laughs> simple stuff. <laughs> well, that would prompt some discussion yeah. to the audience they would go to if they just said that much. And so it was a good prompt. But but here's the other thing. Um, Paul, this guy that wrote this meaty book and two-thirds of the New Testament, he said uh, he, he asked the Colossians to pray for him, that God might, in Colossians 4, 2 through 6, he said, devote yourselves to prayer. But he says, stay alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And then praying for me, too, that God would open a door for the word and that I that I would speak. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Paul not having words? <laughs> but but not only that, but speak the right thing. And there's this invitation. So it can ask people questions, but we ask God to give us words. And I'm thinking about here's one example, and this is in um, three of the gospels, but Mark records it this way. He says, uh, hey, they're gonna be under guard, they're going to deliver you up to the courts, you'll be flogged in the synagogues, you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And then he says, and when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say. But say, and there's an imperative verb, say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I find that I used to be terrified reading that. I go, what, what, what if he doesn't? Right. <laughs> what if there's nothing? And Skip, I think I've learned this. The, you know the, and 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 I've got a lot of stories on this, but there's one that happened to me with um, an individual who uh, I somebody had set this lunch meeting up. And it was there, somebody they worked for right. and with, and he was a mental health person. He, so he did, he knows therapy and all, all this kind of world. So we show up, and I've never met him, but um, he starts, um, he just starts in, he's kind of intense right out of the blocks. We're, we're sitting at one of those tall boy tables, and he's leaning across, and he's kind of in my space a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm going, wow, you know, 
and and then he's he's just making kind of these accusations and then he uh towards whatever god i think not directly but you can kind of feel it and then he's he pushes in on me he starts asking me questions and i'm going i feel uncomfortable because what happened to news weather and sports i just kind of want to get to know you a little bit get some context and you're just you're intense quickly in a public setting and i'm going you're a mental health professional what are you doing here you know and but he kept doing this so i thought well okay i'm really uncomfortable answering his questions until i've learned some things but i so i thought well i'll try one so i tried to start answering one of his questions and he cut me off Hmm. and then he came with a volley of like three more questions and i'm going this is weird i don't I don't know, you know, how to respond to this. And I, and it takes me, it takes a lot to get me uncomfortable in those mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. But I was feeling very uncomfortable with this and his yeah. intensity level high, rising. And finally, I just said, Lord, I don't know what to do. Hmm. What do I say to this guy? Yeah. And Skip, this, I've never done this before. I've never had this idea before into my head. I, it wasn't like a voice, but it was just clear messaging. And it just said, ask him if he's ever had an experience with me. And I'm kind of like, is that you? And I thought, actually, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I did. I looked at this guy who said, hey, um, have you ever had an experience with God? Mm-hmm. And it was as if he was, you know, he was leaning in. He's kind of bowed up on me a little bit, leaning into me. And Skip, it's as if somebody was standing behind him and snapped his neck. He just collapsed in his chair. His head dropped into his lap. And he goes, yes. Mm. And I was shocked. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that opened up. He our entire conversation changed he yeah. began to be opening up with me about some tragedy and i didn't even hear it all but i heard what i was supposed to and i think i was only there that day to ask that question mm. so i have uh, skip in in the booth here today uh with me uh kent bader and uh kent uh you know we talk about this whole thing of being a witness for christ by our life and sometimes you get put on the spot in some really interesting, awkward situations. You don't go looking for it. It just happens. And I'm a firm believer that Jesus gives us the words and the wisdom when we trust him for it in some situations. He said he would. He promised he would. And I think, will he show up? And you and I have stories on this. We have shared Skip. But uh, Kent is from the Tri-Cities. He's a longtime friend. We calculated maybe 30 years. And uh, I have told Kent's story to other people, and I want to include this story today because it's just gold. Um, so, Kent, let's go back a few years when we were both younger men. <laughs> <laughs> and you, were, you said you were living in Tucson and working in Portland uh, by distance. And tell us a little about who you're working for. Uh, your, I guess you don't need to get into all that, but... But uh, maybe just frame the situation up. Yeah, sure. Thanks, John. Um, no, I worked. Uh, I worked for a company called Fluor. They're a big multinational engineering construction firm, and I worked in their their semiconductor division. And so we had a big uh, project up in Portland, and so I flew up to meet my uh, counterparts uh, that worked for this company, 
And uh, there were a number of them uh, because there were a number of different systems that, that I l- looked after. And so, um, you know, just part of your quick Christian witness is just getting to know people, asking good questions, taking an interest in people. And so, um, and that's what I did with clients as well. I mean, they're, they're people and, you know, I loved them and just wanted to get to know them better. So anyway, did that and they really responded. As it turns out, they were a really tight group of, uh, of people. And, um, it was unique at that time. Intel gave, or yeah, so this was a client with Intel, and uh, they they gave out um, a lot of stock options. So they were what they called Intel millionaires, and most of my counterparts were Intel millionaires, and so they worked hard and they played hard and they all got along really well together and they did a lot of stuff together, and so I kind of come in as the consultant. After some time of being around them, they really pulled me into their group. And so uh, it was something I really, it was great. And so um, one evening they were all having a big party at one of their houses and um, they invited me to come along. And so I thought, no, what the heck? It's another chance just to get to know these folks and, and chat with them and hang out with them. And so I went over and, and that's what we did. You know, the people were, yeah, it was just just a party, just, you know, drinking, hanging out, talking, you know, having a good time. Um, but late in the evening, um, somebody yelled out, hey, let's go to the strip club. And pretty soon there's like 40 or 50 people here. And it's not just the guys that I was working with, but it was their wives as well. It was kind of surprising. Um, they all start chanting, Strip club, strip club, strip club. Let's all go to the strip club. And I was thinking, hey, that's thinking. That's fine for you guys. Um, I'm going to kind of slip out the back door here, and I'm going to go back to my hotel and get a good night's sleep. And so, and I'm thinking that and, you know, getting ready to make my exit. And at that point, somebody looks over at me and says, Kent, because I'm obviously the one outsider in this. You coming with us? And pretty soon there's 40 or 50 people chanting, Kent, 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 (laughs) Kent, Kent. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I mean, I'm panicking now because thinking there's no way to get out of this, just slip out the back door kind of deal. And these are my, these have become my friends, but they're still my clients. And I, I don't want to just piss them off. And so my buddy John had told me at one point, we had had a good discussion years before, you know, how far do you go into culture? And John, his famous answer was you go is right up into the line where the next step is sin. <laughs> and so I felt comfortable going to the party and, you know, I didn't get drunk, but, you know, just hanging out with these guys. But obviously, that next step would, for me, would have it would have been sin, and so I feel this pressure of people are all chanting my name, they're all looking at me, they're all expecting me to go with them, and um, and I my brain just went it I I couldn't I could hardly think or breathe at that point, 
and they stop chanting and they're all looking at me. And that's when the Holy Spirit, this is the one time in my life, he gave me words to say. And what came out of my mouth was, if I'm going to spend money on women, I'm going to spend it on my wife and my daughters. And so I just thought, I'm in my brain, I'm like, where did that come from? Because I did not have that thought, but my mouth just said that. And everybody in the whole room just got super quiet. And it was like it was awkwardly silent or silent for an awkward amount of time. And um, finally, somebody goes, yeah, you know, I didn't really want to go anyway. And another person said, yeah, it's getting late and we got to work tomorrow. So and then they just all went home. And so, yeah, it was it was a it was definitely a moment of witness there. <laughs> Boy, I'll say. Um, and then there was an epilogue two days later. Yeah. So my the guy I was closest to the count, counterpart that I was closest to, um, he and I went out for lunch with another guy who hadn't been at that party. Um, a couple days later, and. The guy who hadn't been at the party at lunch, we went to a Mexican place and he was like, well, I want to do tequila shots. I'm thinking, goodness sakes, it's lunch. We all have to go back to work. What are you talking about? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not going there. This is not, not for me. And he looked at me and he pointed his finger and said, I'm the client, and if I tell you you're doing tequila shots, then you're doing tequila shots. And my, the guy who had been at the party with me practically jumped out of his chair and yelled at the other guy, if Kent says he's not going to do something, he's dang well not going to do it. So leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, and that must have made defender. an impression. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's pretty amazing. He your your stock went up with him. He respected your conviction. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, backed you up. Yeah, at, you know, in another potential compromise right. spot. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um, I respect your courage, and oh, uh, and I know I know what you're saying when you felt transcended. You know, yeah. in that moment to come up with a response like that, and uh, I know a lot of us will listen in on that and. And, uh, you know, when we're on the hot seat on some front or another, you know, you, maybe we'll be more likely to trust that God would provide something for us, yeah, you know, exactly. in that moment. So thanks for sharing that, Ken. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, John, this seems a bit out of control and, and maybe scary, but <laughs> Jesus said not to be anxious about it. Yeah. And, you know, Skip, the reason he told the disciples and this was in the farewell address, John 15, he said, when the helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who's the one called alongside, who he already told them, he will be with you and in you forever. He said, when the helper comes, I'll send him to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. And then he says, and you will bear witness also because you've been with me from the beginning. And here's the thing. We, we have, if we're going to say we are Christ followers, 
We're trusting in God that who is alive, the resurrected Jesus, who sent his spirit to guide us, to speak to us, to bring to remembrance what we need to show up for mm-hmm. for us, for his own sake, for his own namesake, right. for the proclamation of Jesus and the gospel. He'll yeah. show up. He'll show oh, up. Oh, he's all in oh, on this. Yeah, absolutely. And so we have to trust his promise. There you go. There you go. Well, John, this has been a very uh, enlightening uh, conversation. And we sure appreciate you coming in and, and sharing with us and uh, about your book uh, and all the things that you're doing in the community with people. So God bless you and your work and continue to, to do a great job. Thank you, John. It is a privilege. Thank you, Skip. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino. Oh, yes, we did. Diamond Heating and Cooling, Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust, The Building Hope Project, a hand up, not a hand out, and Zero as Carpet Cleaning. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the Game Plan for Life. Have a great weekend, and remember, no game plan, no victory. 